everyone, welcome to episode 7. Oh my god, it's episode 7 already. Hmm, time flies, huh? I am a little late this week, but thank you for being there and here with me, listening week by week, and then some on Eat, Meditate, Live on my podcast. And I know last week I was podcasting from Milan. This time I'm bringing you some talking from Valletta here in the island nation of Malta. I've been here since last night and so far enjoying this beautiful island, albeit it is cloudy and raining intermittently. Um, Thankfully, I had a jacket that I um, bought while I was in France and it really helped me a lot, like stave off some, um, some wetness and rain that was pouring down intermittently while I was outside today. I have to say, I was supposed to release this episode yesterday, right? Um, Saturday, it's now Sunday. I was going to accept that with all the traveling I had to do yesterday, I couldn't find the time. Uh, I was just so busy. Uh, yesterday morning, early morning, we took the train from Geneva in Switzerland to Milan, where I dropped my daughter off um, for her flight back to the U.S., and then I had to take the train back to Milan, Malpensa Airport to Milan Central Station, and then had to go to Milan Bergamo, which I didn't realize is so far that it's not one of those airports where you take the train and the airport is right there at the stop. No, this one, I had to take the train. I was actually like rushing to get on the train but then for a while i debated if i should get that 605 p.m train to bergamo um which thankfully i did because i would have missed my flight if i didn't but yeah um it's one of those trains where you take it and then you take a bus like get on a bus to actually go to an airport here in milan but it's like they call it milan bergamo but it, it's not really in Milan. It's more like in, I, I believe it's a town or a city called Bergamo. But anyway, that was my night last night. Um, and then, yeah, from Bergamo airport, um, I had to take my flight um, in the evening, 9 o'clock uh, to Malta. Um, but honestly, I actually thought about producing my podcast as soon as I got to the hotel last night here in Malta because something annoying re like something really annoying happened at the airport here in Malta when I arrived. Um, then another incident happened when I, when I got to my hotel here in uh, the city of Valletta. So just to give you a background, what happened was I landed in Malta and was held at the airport for about an hour or so because um, unknown to us traveling to Malta from the US, which, you know, there weren't many of us. Um, there are specific rules relating to COVID, um, you know, COVID requirements once you enter Malta. Malta, of course, is part of the EU, but somehow they're kind of like, I don't know if I should say laid back, laid back, but they definitely have a different rule compared to like the rest of the EU. Maybe by virtue of it being like an island uh, rather than part of the mainland of the, you know, European Union. That's what I'm guessing. That's why it's like, you know, being in the United States and, you know, going to Hawaii, especially at the peak of COVID, where you actually had to get tested 72 hours before arrival. And they had this like Hawaii had this like 
totally different, you know, protocol in terms of like people entering the island. So it looks like that is what's going on for Malta. But anyway, um, like, like I said, for us traveling from the U.S., although I particularly was already traveling from the EU at that time since I came from Italy, Switzerland, France, and then back to Italy at that point, the Maltese government required us to download this app called Verifly, um, which of course we did not know about this because Ryanair, the airline that I used to fly here in Malta, didn't let us know about it. Um, I got like a text uh, yesterday or two days before the flight saying how um, I needed to fulfill COVID requirements, but that did not specify that Verifly part of it. It was just like, um, you know, the, all they said was we needed COVID vaccination proof, which I have, and the European Union digital locator form, which I also have from when I first entered um, the EU. And, um, you know, and I believe what Ryanair said, because at that point yesterday, I was already, I have pretty much been in Europe for the past 10 days since um, yesterday so I didn't realize that I needed other stuff just to fly into or just to be allowed to enter Malta so I landed in Malta and when I got to the airport they have this like long line you know there were different people manning the screening section and they tell me that I needed that Verifly app and that was 11 o'clock at night. And mind you, there's a driver sent by the hotel to pick me up. And my pickup time or my arrival time was supposed to be like 10.55 at night. But this was already past 11. And I was really worried that, you know, the driver would leave. And I was also worried because, you know, and I'm always like a careful traveler when it comes to like cell phone. But for some reason yesterday, I guess because I went to... um. I was like really rushing, rushing. I used my phone to use the map on it, like the map app while I was in Milan because I was going to a store that I didn't know where it was. So I was using that, the battery for the reason. And then I rushed to Bergamo and I thought I had time to like, you know, still charge my phone there. And I had already put it on um, low battery mode or something like that like the battery efficiency mode and still I still drain my battery so when I landed in um, Malta I um I only had less than 10 percent in my battery and unfortunately the prongs on my battery charger did not match the ones that they have here in Malta I had the appropriate charger for France and Italy even Switzerland but then as I would find out today that because they have British influence here, they use the British, um, you know, adapter or prongs to electrical outlet. And unfortunately, I had left or, you know, snuck in the British charger in Mariska, my daughter's bag, um, when she flew into Jersey. I didn't even tell her, but I snuck it in there thinking I wouldn't need it, but mm. <laughs> Then I realized I needed it as soon as I landed at the airport. Anyway, so yeah, I traveled with only less than 20, 10%, I think 10% of my, you know, 
my phone and the charger I have did, does not have the right prongs. Um, so somehow they took us to this like section, the like cordon off area at the airport where we were quote unquote held. And I managed to download the app. Um, they provided me with, you know, this um, USB charger that I can plug my phone into without using the actual prong. So you know how those Apple phones work, like you take out the, the head thingy and then you plug it in. So I managed to like, you know, get some battery power, thank God. And, you know, I, I, I downloaded the app. I was trying to keep my cool at this time. I was slightly pissed off, but I'm like, mm, no, I'm not going to get pissed about this. I'm just going to do what I have to do. Um, but I was slowly getting there, to be honest. Like, this was past 11, 10 minutes, 20 minutes came by and and then nearly an hour and I still then because you have to upload a few different things you have to upload your picture you have to upload your vax card and there was another thing that people in that cordon off area the screening area two different people were telling me different things one girl was saying how oh you don't need that and then this guy says oh you need it so there was a lot of confusion there it's really like you know kind of like they were just winging it in a way uh even the arrival date they wanted us to put the arrival date as tomorrow instead of like yesterday the app wouldn't take in you know an arrival date the same day so technically what they were saying was we needed to have filled that verify app the information on that two days ahead of our flight which i didn't know about because nobody told me this so like I said, like 10, 20 minutes came by and nearly an hour, I still get the, didn't get the approval on the Verify app. I called the hotel. The lady somehow who works for the hotel had his phone like, you know, I don't know how it was linked to her WhatsApp, but somehow she said, don't worry about it. Because at this point, I had already like said, like, if this not, you know, go through in the next 20 minutes i'm leaving i'm turning around and i'm taking a flight back to italy and the reason why i'm able to say that is because like flying within europe is actually cheap per and that's the mostly the reason why i had the balls to say it so i said what i said but she's like no don't worry about it i'll call the driver just stay there and do what you need to do but um yeah, one hour, my approval still didn't go through. This, at this point, I was getting livid. Like, I threatened them that if, like I said, I threatened them that if this didn't resolve, I will do a 360 and take a flight back out of Italy. And um, I was telling the lady who was there, like, even Switzerland doesn't do this. Like, they're more relaxed about it. And that's Switzerland. And she even told me, well, then go back to Switzerland. And I'm like, Oh yeah, watch me. If this doesn't resolve, I'm going to turn around and head back to Italy. So, you know, what is it in poker? Call the, calling the bluff? Yeah. Um, so that was a test to my threshold when, um, oh yeah, not yet. But the, you know, the test to my threshold like came when this Maltese, of, Maltese official came to ask this Caucasian American, like she, she was Caucasian and she was American. She was also in the same like holding area as I was with another, two other people. And 
I saw how he was like telling her to follow him. And I knew right there that he was going to let her through. And I knew that if I didn't do a full-on Karen on them, quote-unquote, sorry for Karens, but if I didn't do a full-on Karen on them, telling them that I will not take that bullshit, they would have, you know, let that lady through and left me there to wait for my um, Verify app to give me that approval. And I knew that that was happening. At this point, that I went ballistic. Um, I was telling my friends and John that coming from a third world country, I know very well this scheme of giving people preferential treatment when they are known to be foreigner, like foreigners, I should say foreigners, foreigners with fair skin. I mean, I often say this and I've said this when people ask me, when do you feel racism? Like, it's hard to describe it, but when you're in that situation, you feel it. You, you don't even have to hear words or you don't even have to, like, hear or be told certain things. But you know, when you're being discriminated against based on your color, you know it and you feel it. And I know that because I've been through that so many times. And often enough, even as a, you know, professional in the United States, I feel it. I've felt it even at work that, and in my current work, that you can feel it when it happens. So this Maltese official was, or I don't know if he was official for the government, but he worked behind, you know, those screening area, those screening areas. And he was just, he was exactly doing that to that, you know, Caucasian lady. And, um, I know it like he he picked her because I felt that that for him that was the person that you know deserved preferential treatment um and he feel bad cuz like you know she's innocent about it but it's what and I I don't want to throw it out there but it's it's pretty much what they call these days is like color based privilege but Again, it's not her fault. Like, it's not exactly like her using her privilege as a white person. So I'd like to call it more as like on the part of the person who was doing it rather than the the recipient of the privilege. I was, I'd like to say more and describe the person who was doing it, the Maltese official, as someone who has some sort of like colonial mentality. Colonial mentality is a word or are words we use in the Philippines. We are so familiar with that growing up because um, we often heard it growing up in schools and just in a lot of contexts or in a lot of conversations. You know, we, we grew up like hearing these exact same words. Colonial mentality um, is what we describe in the Philippines when people are given advantage on the basis of their color and often you know in reference to people or visitors or even fellow filipinos with fair skin it's also part of the reason why many filipinos are partial to like you know filipinos or filipinas like females who have fair skin and 
unfortunately that's how many still even at this modern age gauge beauty based on people's skin color and they find that you know people with you know fairer skin are more attractive than people with dark skin and let me tell you growing up in the philippines i was never not considered you know beautiful because not that i am saying i am but i'm just saying like nobody looked me for as like someone who had beauty because of my dark skin which is pretty like you know unfortunate and it's not just me because there are many dark-skinned filipinos that i know and they are beautiful anyway so there i was like you know i was so angry and again i have to say this just because i meditate doesn't mean i don't get mad i still do i have i still have my moments but there it's definitely like sorry just burped um more contained now and like i said and mentioned in my um episode two episodes ago that the way i respond to things now is different than the way i would have responded before i started meditation um yeah i still do i still get mad and but before i even proceed with what i am getting at i want to say that how that ended the airport part how that ended was um like i said very fly still then you know Verify still didn't get me approved, and um, because I ma- but because I made a big stink about the other um, Maltese official letting that American passion passenger through, um, even though without um, her approval and after me saying that I have this same like you know the same exact same fax card that she has, they finally let me you know they finally decided to let me go. So the lady who gave me that, you know, go, just go back to Switzerland then speech just decided like, you know what, just, just go, just go. So at the end of the day, like how strict are these rules anyway? Like, I mean, they're strict, but do they make sense? I don't know. I don't know anymore because like I said, you know, it's just so laid back. We're at this point where... We should have already moved forward in terms of like COVID and vaccination, especially with many people getting vaccinated and us being able to prove vaccination. But let me end that speech. Um, so they finally decided to let me go. Um, I'm pretty sure they got tired of me and my yapping. I was happy, but then I also felt bad when I was leaving because there was another passenger who was kind of like technology unsavvy. And he, I, I think he said he came without his vaccine card, but he lives in London and they were making him quarantine because he couldn't provide his documents. Like, first of all, how did this man even get through boarding the airline, right? Like you would think that the airline had screened him if that was really something that was necessary for him to land in Malta. But yeah, I left there. The man was still there. He spoke some English but you know with some issues he didn't have a charger for his phone he didn't have an apple charger so I couldn't even lend him my apple charger and they were making him quarantine and making him pay like to quarantine and he's like no I didn't bring cash with me and they were like oh why didn't you who travels without cash like dude I don't travel with cash I just like use my credit card and just like 
you know, except for this trip, I did bring some cash and now I'm like, I'm totally like down to my like almost zero euros, but I often do not bring cash when I travel. So this is the guy that I had left there, you know, that I said goodbye to when I left that area. I felt bad for him. Um, my heart, you know, I said goodbye to him with a heavy heart and, and I sincerely hope he got out anyways. So, but the challenge did not end there. The challenge did not end at that episode at the airport. So the guy who was supposed to pick me up was still outside. His name was Gareth. Um, Gareth drove me to my hotel, um, which turned out to be an apartment. I kind of had a, you know, vague idea that it was an apartment, but because I, I went like, I, you know, went through so many hotels during this trip and Airbnbs that I forgot which is which at this point. Um, but I booked so many hotels that I don't know which one is which anymore at this point, unless I go to my app the app that I used to book my hotels. So I realized when I got to the building that it's an apartment. It's an apartment building and it's not like the apartment buildings that you imagine in say New York, in Manhattan, where there's a doorman 24 seven. Nope, this is not, even my building in Jersey City, it's not a 24, we don't have a 24 seven, um, what am I call this, um, doorman on site, but we have like, a virtual doorman but this one didn't this was like an apartment the typical european apartment where you have one big door and you just go up and there are different apartments in there um this doesn't have a front desk and i found out that there wasn't anyone to let me into my room or my apartment um so right there thank god i still had about like at that point i think i had 35 or 65 percent on my phone and I went through all my emails and I couldn't find the instruction how to get in and what room number. Um, remember I mentioned that there was a lady that I spoke with earlier um, who told me not to, like from the hotel, who told me not to worry because, you know, the, the driver will wait for me. So I called her back and oh my God, she did not pick up, which was understandable, right? Because at this point it was already past 1 a.m. Um... And I felt horrible because I don't think she signed up for that, but because she answered my um, text earlier, which I, I'm still surprised because she's saying that that was her personal number. So I don't understand how her personal number got into the hotel information, but that's beside the point. Um, I called John um, almost for certain that, you know, hold on, let me just scratch my leg here. Um, so I called John in the States. And I was almost certain that I was either going to have to go to another hotel and I was already thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to have to like deal with this shit with hotels.com or Expedia, whatever, um, and have to ask for refund. And I'm pretty sure they were going to give me a hard time. So I was, yeah, it was that. I was already like certain that either I was go get another hotel, which I don't know how to do at that point because... It was, um, what time was it? Like past 12 at that point. Or sleep in the lobby. Like there's a little lobby, like, you know, typical European um, elevators. Um, there's a little lobby and I was like, it's either that or I don't know. 
um, mind you, I'm used to traveling alone, but I've never had to cry ever because of some shit like going down. Like I called John crying and just as I was talking, like this is so surreal somehow. Like I called John, I was crying. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like blah, 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 blah. And just as I was talking to him and I think, thank, thank God I pray every day including to the Holy Spirit. I know you guys, I don't know how many of you believe in that, but I do pray to the Holy Spirit, like, too, because it's supposed to be, like, what is it, divine trinity or something. I'm not religious, but I'm kind of spiritual. And while I was on the phone with John, I managed to look at the safe that was right next to the elevator. There was a safe that was near the elevator. And somehow I found it open and so I opened it, you know, just by chance, like the heck, like I'm, I didn't even have any purpose of looking at the safe, except just, I just like flung it open and voila, I found an envelope with my name on it and inside it was my key. But then at the same time, like how stupid was that, that the hotel just left the key without locking it in that safe. I mean, anyone could have like gone inside the hotel room and actually snuck in and, you know, killed me and I would be dead and I would be laying in my hotel room here in Malta. But no, that's like a crime junkie kind of thing. John won't be happy with that story. Anyway, um, when the, um, somehow, so I went upstairs, got in my room and when the hotel lady, you know, from the WhatsApp, that called me, um, that I called earlier about the, the driver and all that. She finally got back to me after an hour and she even asked me like, how did you even manage to open the safe? And I told her, um, it was left open and she texted me back and said, OMG. Yeah. That's how, you know, irrational it was to have left that key inside the safe without locking the safe. And yeah, Anyway, long story short, I was ready to curse and hate this trip and this this place the same way I dissed London the first time I went. And by the way, just so you know, London is now one of my favorite places. But then because I believe, but I believe because I meditate, ladies and gentlemen, I told myself, let me hold off on producing my podcast and actually go out tomorrow and experience this place. Cause I was ready to go on, you know, full Monty and like, just fuck this shit. I'm going to set up my podcast and podcast my awful experience here in Malta. But no, I told myself, hold off on producing the podcast and actually go out tomorrow and just enjoy this place and see if it's really something that's, you know, beautiful as you thought it to be in the first place. I figured this was the only way that I can give justice to this place. So today, fast forward, you know, after what, six hours of sleep, I walked around Valletta. It's the major city here in Malta. I'm traveling alone. I have to whisper this just in case somebody hears me outside my hotel room. Um... So I managed to just take my time and not worry about going out soon enough or like fast enough or, fl- or like rush to go out. I 
woke up, I meditated, I had coffee, which was, which was like crap. It was instant. And, um, and I just took my time. And by the way, just to like deviate a little, if you haven't traveled alone, just know it is not scary. Just, you just have to make sure you have the right ear, you know, security measures. Like I told my husband where I'm going and this is where I am. And I have a friend in London who I traveled with, um, when I went to Puglia, Bari in Italy. And I told her like, just check on me because God forbid, if anything happens, I get injured, I get sick or whatnot. You are the person who is closest to me. I mean, she's in London, but, um, let me scratch my leg again. Um, she is in London, but then at the end of the day, if I needed someone, it would, she would be my first, you know, person or point of contact. I know John is easy to reach to, and I'm pretty sure he will come out here in a heartbeat, but coming from California, that would take, at least take him like 14 hours for the flight and another like whatever, five hours for the wait time. But Jazz would be like the most ideal person because she's right in London. And anyway, so yeah, um, if you haven't traveled alone, just know it's not scary. I have traveled alone as far as the Czech Republic, Iceland, and Lord, Lord knows where. I was even going to go to Poland this trip. I couldn't find the flights that would work my, with my schedule. So yes, um, yeah, flying and traveling alone can really be liberating. And it's a really wonderful experience. You don't have to worry about other people. Although it's also fun to travel with friends because I've traveled with friends who I traveled with for the first time and had the most wonderful experience. And I've also traveled with people who I swore I do not want to ever like travel with again. No fucking itineraries for me. Like I've had wonderful experience traveling for the first time with Jazz and with Angie and it was all great. Um, so going back, yes, I roamed Valletta alone and found out how beautiful and found how beautiful it is. The architecture here is just magnificent. And again, I'm not like, a what is that? What is a counterpart of a connoisseur, whatever that word is. I'm not like, you know, a scholar in architecture, but, um, so if, but if you follow me on Instagram, I will, you know, put up the photos soon. I've posted one already, but um, it's also on my profile. It, it's it's on my profile called um, Wonder, Wondering Cat, W-A-N-D-E-R-I-N-G-K-A-T, or on my other Instagram profile, which is um, Eat, Meditate, Live. Um, so you'll see photos there just so you'll understand how beautiful this place is. Um, honestly, before I decided to come here, I knew so little or honestly almost nothing about Malta. I just knew it was like an island between Italy and Africa. I thought it was like uh, inhabited by uh, mostly African-American people. I didn't know it's... Um, um, I didn't know it was mixed with Italians and there's, there's like mix of people and the place itself is, um, you'll see quite a lot of what, um, what is it? Italian, um, 
I don't know if Arabic is the right word to describe it, but definitely Arabic, Italian influence in it. And British, you'll see it because they drive on the left side of the road and the cars are right-hand drive, which again explains why my charger didn't work because I needed like the UK prongs. And they also have um, Arabic, British... Uh, my friend, the driver, who I also talk about later, um, Victor, told me that there's also, what was it? Something influence. I forgot. But anyway, definitely, like a lot of the words here are um, mixed, are a mix of um, Italian and Arabic. So it's kind of different. So they have, um, their language is called Maltese. Um, anyway, so yeah, when, before I came here, I barely, barely knew anything about Malta. Um, I even expected it won't be, I even expected that it won't be as cold as cold as it is now. Um, it's raining outside, but it's, um, well, intermittently raining or drizzling, but I didn't know it was going to be cold because I thought that since it's close to Africa, it would be warmer, but it's not. Um, anyway, um, I don't even know how I thought about going to Malta. I know I must have planned it before coming here or maybe I didn't. I don't know how it came up, but I'm so glad I did. It's like weird. I'm so like that. I'm like a spur of the moment kind of person sometimes, most of the time. So anyway, as I was walking and seeing the size of Valletta today, I realized like how minuscule my problems and issues were from last night. And I mean, thinking about it, it still gives me some resentment. That experience at the airport, it's not funny. It's not, you know, it's something that cuts deep. But again, I'm, I'm learning to respond differently. Um, and I attribute that to my meditation. Um, and most of it is all behind me now. Um, also, I want to say that I went to this um, area here in uh, here in Malta called I, I believe it's pronounced Mdina Mdina. It's spelled with M D I N A. Um, before I went there, I had this image of. Um, oh yeah, I had to mention that I actually thought that Malta is also. Um, mostly Islam. Uh, there's, like I said, there's an Arabic um, influence to um, to this place, uh, Middle Eastern or something. Um, influence to this, or is it, am I even saying it right? Like Middle Eastern and Arabic influence to this place. Um, so when I saw that place called Amdina, I thought it was gonna be um, like you know Medina, right? Um, or something Arabic, something like similar to the, the Mecca. Um, but before I flew here, John had mentioned that um, one of her friends, Steve, had been here and it has a lot of Catholic, you know, um, influence. You see a lot. And, and for a while, I even like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, I thought, you know, Malta has mostly like Arab or Muslim influence. And even John was saying how 
maybe Steve got it mixed up. Maybe he meant like Muslim influence. But true enough, I got here and I saw that there's so many Catholic churches and it's beautiful. And I'm not saying that to say other religions are not beautiful. Every religion is beautiful as long as you practice that religion for the good of everyone, regardless of the other people or everyone's religion. You know, if you practice it well. Okay, that's another topic. But anyway, going back. So I went to this place called Imdina. Um, and it's funny because as I was just Googling um, a few minutes ago how to pronounce the word Imdina, I found out that many of the Game of Thrones scenes were filmed here. And I did not know that. Um, I was actually going to Google. I think it was before or after. No, I think it was even... It was after I went to Imdina. I was even going to Google like what movies were filmed here. And then, like I said, I didn't get to. But then, like I said, when I Googled how to pronounce the word Imdina, I found out that Game of Thrones uh, was... Many of the scenes were filmed here. And, you know, I had a serendipitous moment there. But besides that, I can't even begin to describe how wonderful my experience was in... Um, Mdina and the you know through how the place looks like and the many people I encountered there and here in Valletta um, and I just want to describe Mdina it's like totally beautiful it has a lot of walls um, Valletta has a lot of like small alleys and the building are made of like stones you know Con- I would say concrete it's mostly like stones and it's, I don't want to say primitive because they are, you know, from the ancient times and they're well-preserved, but then at the same time, you know, that like really strong and built on like, you know, like fortresses and, um, and the same thing with Mdina, except that it's, it's much higher than, um, the other areas of, uh, Malta and, the the walls are ex- and the buildings are extremely extremely beautiful and i don't know what it is about myself and old buildings and alleyways i love i love old buildings again i'm saying i'm not you know a scholar on architecture but when i see old buildings i'm just like oh my god this is beautiful and that's exactly how I felt while I'm in Mdina and even walking here in Valletta. I was just like dumbfounded. I am dumbfounded with the beauty of the building and the ar- architecture. Like the alleyways, the, the terraces and the balconies and, you know, that you see from outside. And there's, there are just too many of them. Um, I, I put, I had written in my caption on Instagram today that, I am an old soul born in this new world, having fun and finding joy in the old. And that's how exactly I describe my penchant for, you know, for these old buildings and architecture. And um, it's just amazing and mesmerizing. I'll put up more photos on Instagram and soon I promise I'll write it on my um, blog on katherinebermudez.com. But, um, but yeah, besides the architecture and 
you know, the buildings and, oh, which by the way, I took so many photos that eventually I told myself, you know what, photos won't even do justice. Um, capturing them won't even do justice. They're good for like, you know, souvenirs and recollection if I wanted something like um, physical to look at. But I soon enough like gave up on taking photos. Not really. I mean, I t- still took some, but then I soon, you know, gave up on taking more be- and just told myself, I'm just going to allow myself to soak in this experience and hopefully my memory doesn't fail me and I would have my memory to look back on and for all this wonderful experience of um, being here in Malta and being in Valletta and being in Emdina. Um, but besides that, besides the physical stuff that I saw, I can't even, like I said, can't even begin to describe how wonderful my experience was with the many people I encountered here. Um, there's one, the front lady from the hotel that operates the apartment that I'm renting. Uh, I stopped by there to pay for my cab ride last night. Her name is Helena or Yelena. Um, she was very patient with me, with all my questions, and um, she was very nice, very attentive, and didn't even rush me. Um, <clears throat> her coworker Magdalena, last night, remember I told you, who I thought ignored me after she didn't pick up my calls, but actually texted me back around like 2 a.m. or whatever a.m. that was. Um, yeah, her. Um, there was also this waiter and Emdina who told me to... I, I passed by this restaurant and I was like, oh, let me look at this their menu because I'm really big on food on my travels. And this waiter, I think he's of, I think, Indian uh, descent. And he told me to just take a look inside the restaurant to see the ancient architecture from like 1400s or I don't know, 1500s or something hundreds. And he said, just go inside. It's okay if, you know, and then just decide if you want to order something. And it's okay if you don't or something like that. He was like, just go in, just take a peek and look at the architecture inside. And then if you decide to stay, then decide to stay. Um, And that was really like heartwarming to even hear that. Um, When I left, I ended up ordering something from the restaurant and stayed there for a bit. And I then, once I left, like, I said my heart felt like thank you to the staff. Um, And especially that guy who offered for me to, like, just take a peek inside. And then I want to tell you about Victor. Um, He was my taxi driver this, uh, to the ride to Emdina. Um, Victor, I randomly, like, I was walking in Valletta and I had really tried to contract this and contact this driver that I had from last night, um, Gareth, to take me to um, Mdina today. But somehow this afternoon, he just disappeared. And he's, I don't know if he worked overnight and slept like in the afternoon, but he didn't pick up. He didn't answer my WhatsApp text. Um, but anyway, so I was walking um, near, like in, like I was walking in the town and I just like, had a eureka like an epiphany and said like why don't i ask one of these drivers and you know ask them and check how much they're gonna charge me to take a cab 
um, to go to Imdina because I was debating if I should go today or tomorrow. But then I'm like, you know what, let me just get that done and over with and go because I really want I wanted to see Imdina. Um, my friend Jazz has been here and I saw beautiful pictures. And again, I don't like really touristy places, but I felt that, you know, if you're coming to Malta, you have to see that place. And plus it's a low season. Um, anyway, so my driver, Victor, um, I randomly picked him from, you know, the, the taxi queue and asked him how much he was going to charge me, um, to go to Medina. And he told me like 40 bucks and he told me he'll even wait for me for an hour while I explore Medina. Um, Victor, as I found out is, um, 73 years old and is still very active. He speaks really good English and, uh, going to the, uh, during the drive going to, and especially like, especially coming back from Medina. Um, he told me so many, so much about his life. It's not a long ride, but you know how you make that connection with people and they just tell you about their life because that's how I am with strangers I find it easier to open up especially like even here in podcasting right I'm talking to x amount of people I know I don't have like many many followers but it's like that episode where I talked about how I was sexually um, abused when I was young I could not talk to other people about that for many many years yet there I was talking to whoever listened to it and just talk to it, talk about it without, you know, much reservation. And anyway, so Victor um, told me that his wife died in a car accident um, years ago. I think that's, I'm almost 100% sure that's what he said. And he always explained that in Malta, there is a one man out of seven women ratio. So it's like a one man out of seven women ratio, one is to seven. And I found it funny that he had the statistics because I've always thought it was, well, it's not really far from one is to six or is it one is to three? I don't know. But he said in Malta, it's actually a one out of seven ratio, man to woman. And that because of this, women neighbors of his who are quote unquote alone or have husbands who drink and don't take care of them, knock on his door and quote unquote offer to quote unquote help him with cooking or and then they'd bring a bottle of wine to drink and you know drink it for an hour or so and then quote unquote they go shower and as you know he just he didn't say the word but meaning they have sex (laughs) I just found that funny like that he actually told me that he also told me how he has two kids and that he has, um, his kids are 43 and I believe the other one is 40 and how they live close enough that they are there when he needs help going to his medical, like, you know, for his medical care, but that's, he doesn't want to live with them because he didn't want to have problems. And, um, and the same way that, and same reason why he said, uh, he didn't want to remarry he didn't even want to remarry Filipinos who some of his friends told him to do because Filipino women speak English and that Filipino women were, um, or Filipino women like to please their husbands, therefore making them good wives, which I thought was funny. Um, he was telling me how there's so many Filipinos here in Malta and, um, that they make good living and they speak 
and they like Filipinos here because they speak good English. Um, if you don't know, we are t English is like the medium of instruction in the Philippines, but apparently there's so many Filipinos here. And Victor was saying how his friends were telling him, go to this place and find Filipinos there. But he said, nah, I'm good. Um, but anyway, something like that. Uh, he also told me he was diabetic, which, you know, was so nice for him to be so candid and vulnerable about. Um, he told me he's diabetic and he told me that the Maltese government, though, does make diabetes, like diabetes prevention and treatment really high on their priority. It was really like nice to have, you know, talk to you so candidly. And I wish I talked more about my life too, but it's good to be the receiver of information and just a listener sometimes. And in this case, like, you know, I'm visiting this country. I shouldn't be talking to them about the country where I come from. It's nicer to be the recipient of it, especially if you're the one, you know, immersing in the culture. I really love talking to locals when I travel. I mean, I thought that, that I really love talking to locals when I'm traveling. Um, and I love that um, conversation with Victor today um, during the cab ride. Because that's when you speak with the locals, it actually helps you see like more than what you see on social media about a place. You see the humanity in the setting of that place that you're visiting. This is my thought. This is also why I tried to go to non-touristy places um, and actually do non-touristy or less touristy activities of or if I really don't have a choice, I go to touristy places, um, but preferably on low season and do low-key activities. And because that's how I feel like I'm more in tune with the culture and the people. And I like to do and non-touristy stuff and go to non-touristy places. And I've said that already. And I don't know why I'm saying it again. But... Um, Oh, and if I may deviate a little bit, and it's all like, well, it's kind of like along the line, like it is always my tip to ask a local where they would eat if they were eating out. Because then you know you're going to a place that's authentic and where you don't have to pay so much money just to eat good food. Like I like the hole in the wall places. And yeah, it's a tip from me. Ask the locals where they would like to eat if they're eating out. The lady at the Hotel Helena told me a place earlier. Um, Smilina, Smilina or something like that. Um, I still have the list here. It's called Slima, Slima, Slima. And the restaurant's name is Takris. But when I went to the bus station or the bus terminal... It's funny because one arrow and one on one side of the street pointed to that direction for the bus stop, and the other arrow and the other side of the um, that area, um, it was like a sort of like a roundabout pointed to a different direction. So I didn't know where to go. So I didn't end up like going to that restaurant that um, Yelena was telling me. But yeah, um, you have to ask them where they eat if they were eating out. Um, 
be, and yeah, make friends with locals to get a lowdown on the place. Um, and in my case with Victor, you can also ask them for their number. So you go directly to the vendor or driver and you can get your costs lower. And I'm thinking in a future podcast, um, maybe in the next one, I will talk about, I will talk about like making your dream of traveling come true on a low budget or not really a low budget, but to like how to lower your costs when traveling this trip that I, I am on right now. I certainly didn't, you know, pay less. Uh, I was with my daughter. We ate out every day in Chamonix because we were with friends. But if I were traveling this solo, uh, I would have cut down my cost by a lot. But so I want to talk about that in a future um, podcast. Maybe next week we'll talk about it. But yes, yeah, talking to a local and going directly to drivers is an you know easy way to do easy way to do it too. Um, an advantage to talking to locals so that you can get your costs lower. Um, like I tried to do with Gareth last night, who picked me up from the airport. I tried to contract him for, you know, um, a trip to Medina today and he could have gotten the money, you know, you know, solo without going through the taxi company he works for, but that didn't happen because he didn't pick up. But yeah, going back to Victor, I actually, I will also put up his photo on Instagram and I'm now just thinking that I will restart my blog through katherinebermudez.com. I have another site called Eat, Meditate, Live. I still have to put it up, but I will post this episode there um, with photos in it so that you'll be able to see more of Malta. And if you're in Malta or if you're going to Malta, let me know and I will hook you up with numbers of the hotel I'm staying because this is really a high efficiency like hotel. It it's an it's an apartment with a kitchen, um, and it's very convenient. It's right right next to Merchant Street, and Merchant Street is pretty much like their main street here uh, in Valletta, and uh, it's pretty accessible. And I can also hook you up with Victor's number for uh, a cheaper ride. So yes. In a nutshell, this trip has been wonderful and the wonderful people I met made this trip even more worthwhile. That awful experience at the airport and initially in my hotel slash apartment rental, well, they are there, but they have overall been overcome by the goodness from the other people that I met during this trip. It made me believe in humanity again and it did help that I took a breather and not go ballistic instantly on podcast once I got got here last night. Um, And yeah, it's always, you know, best to take a step back and breathe and think. Uh, One of the things that I learned from meditating and through the therapies I've had was to actually process the thing that you heard which initially affected you and think is it a personal attack to me or is it just my reaction 
to it that I or is or can I change my reaction to it? Is it really personal? No, this is what it is. Backtrack. When you hear something like hurtful or there's an incident that happened to you, usually when there you hear you know um, words that are thrown at you, you have to take a step back. And I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure this also reflects, like, you know, applies to, like, situations happening to you, like, bad situations or situations that are not so positive. It's always best to step back and think, is this personal coming from that person? Is this my experience that's making this awful for me? Or is this that person or that situation just causing... Like that they're just like manifesting and projecting on you. Because there's a big difference. When somebody tells you hurtful, hurtful words, our automatic instinct is to like take it personally. But sometimes it's not us. It's them that are projecting it to us. And it's just a matter of us how we react to it, that makes a difference. So people talking shit towards us and awful situation, the way we respond to them is like totally dependent on us. And like they work on a similar context and premise that the way you react, it is really something that you have to, you know, really reflect on and say and think and you know process whether am I feeling this way because I have a baggage or they have a baggage and it really helped me a lot that I actually paused showered slept walked woke up and walked Valetta and went to Imdina because that really helped me change my perspective about this trip. There is this ad or PSA in Milan Smolpensa Airport that said, and I've seen this um, quite a few times because during this trip I've been to Malpensa um, MXP, um, the airport in Milan, that said, so the PSA said, if you are kind, she is kinder. These are very simple words. But I found, you know, I, I, I found profound meaning in this. I think in a way, I did what I can, I can to be kind by not letting anger linger after that airport incident last night and the hotel check-in brouhaha. That in the end, um, I manifested and received kindness and a pleasant experience during my stay here in this island nation. Yeah, so with that, I end this episode and I will see or talk to you again and yak to you again next week for whatever topic that will come to mind. I believe I will talk about uh, traveling, how to lower your budget for um, traveling so you can make that, you know, travel possible and feasible as soon as time but yeah i will say see you next week 
here on Eat, Meditate, Live. Bye-bye. See you next time.